Hi, I'm Peter Pronovos, the Chief Clinical Transformation Officer here, and I'm here with Dr. Ken Rosenfeld, the who leads our palliative care efforts, and we're continuing our series about what we're doing to keep people healthy at home, to eliminate defects in value and make sure we give patient-centered care. You've heard us discuss this web of well-being, which is how we're breaking the silos across the continuum of care, organizing care around patients' needs, and make sure we connect across the continuum. Most times we keep people healthy at home, but in many patients that isn't a possibility and patients need their symptoms managed and at times will need hospice care. And Ken, you're doing really just breathtaking work about making sure that we keep care organized around the patient's needs and we provide care that's respectful and honor their values and, and wishes. Tell us a little bit about how palliative care fits into our overall value journey and this web of well-being. Yeah, Peter, thanks for inviting me to join you. Um, first of all, uh, it might be best for me to describe a little bit about what palliative care is and what it isn't. Uh, palliative care, also uh, called supportive care, um, and it is exactly that. It's a it's a set of, of services that are interprofessional services that are designed to support people who are facing serious or, or life-threatening illnesses and their families. Now, that sort of support takes many forms. Uh, it could be supporting uh, patients and families to make sure that they get uh, all the information that they need to make good decisions about their care. It, it facilitates them weighing out their, the things that are most important to them, the things that they're fighting for in their medical care, and sometimes even um, supports them in figuring out what situations they want to avoid if their condition gets worse, or maybe even if they're approaching the end of life. We manage physical symptoms, but not just physical. We, we focus on people's emotional well-being and, and even spiritual well-being, yes. And, um, and all along the way, we recognize that families are integral parts of this uh, web of relationships that, that patients have. So our support for families, both in their desire to be caregivers for their loved ones, but also uh, even uh, until the time of death and afterwards during the bereavement period. So, so that set of services requires um, a true web of providers uh, that cross not just physicians and nurses, uh, but also social workers and mental health providers, chaplains, uh, physical therapists, and a broad range of other disciplines. And can often that supportive care occurs right alongside of curative care. In other words, it's not an either or that patients through their advanced illness get still hopeful of curative care, but it may not be possible, but alongside of that, you're managing their symptoms. That, that's exactly right, Peter. Uh, you've described one of the key distinctions between palliative or supportive care and hospice care is that palliative care often gets involved upstream of when the focus is strictly on people's comfort and quality of life. In fact, that is, that is our bread and butter is to be involved right alongside the specialists, and specialists might be even people who are trying to cure people of their illnesses, uh, organ transplants, and, and our oncologists and hematologists who are doing such wonderful work at cutting-edge curative treatments. But our job is to be there to support patients in their journeys, whether it be for cure, uh, whether it be to live as long as they can, or to focus on their quality of life. Right. And Ken, is, 
you know far better than I do, the literature is quite clear that palliative care benefits patients and their families. And if I think of a defect in value, one of the defects is not having conversations or clinicians about patients' prognosis and goals and not involving palliative care early enough in this journey, and including not involving hospice at the right time because it meets their needs. Talk a little bit about what we're doing at UH to help address that. that that's, um, that's a wonderful opportunity. Um, first, I, I do just want to point out that the, that the literature, um, the, the, all of the research into palliative care has increasingly shown that palliative care does a lot of really good things for people and their families, not only improving their quality of life and reducing symptoms, improving people's satisfaction with the care that they're getting, but believe it or not, palliative care and hospice care extend people's survival crazy. duration, and which is crazy when you think that when often providers or even patients and families think that palliative or hospice care is an either or in terms of they have to trade off their comfort and quality of life in order to live longer. So with that in mind, uh, I can tell you a little bit about what we're doing at UH, um, both for patients who are in the hospital and a little bit for patients who are at uh, outside of the hospital getting cared for in our clinics and even at home, if that's okay. Um, so I, maybe I can just tell a story uh, just off the top of my head of someone uh, whom we're caring for um, in the hospital right now. And, and I uh, certainly will not divulge uh, identifying information because um, to protect our, our patient's privacy. But um, uh, this um, woman is... Um, a woman who um, had uh, a lung transplant um, many months ago and, and following the transplant has really had a very rocky course. And most recently she was uh, readmitted to the hospital for her eighth time wow. uh, from a nursing facility where she was residing and she was critically ill. Uh, we were called in because uh, many of the doctors and nurses were very fearful that she might be approaching the end of her life. And uh, we um, came in, um, started conversations and uh, providing emotional support for the family, uh, as well as working very closely with our transplant specialists who were focusing all of their attention to help bridge her, to help her live longer. and. Uh, what we served as, as a support service for everyone, uh, for our providers, for the nurses on the floor, as well as for families who, uh, the family who was really struggling. Um, we, um, uh, fortunately, um, uh, this patient is doing better. Uh, she is actually almost out of the intensive care unit now, uh, able to start to talk about her own feelings uh, about things and what she's hoping for, what she wants to accomplish, which means getting home to um, spend time with her grandchildren and, in her words, thrive. Wow. Uh, and that's a, a journey that we are completely committed to. So wow. this has been a, a success, um, both in terms of helping as this woman recovers from a very serious illness, but also to start her thinking about the things that she wants to fight for and maybe to talk about the things that she wants to avoid. Well, Ken, that's a beautiful story of curative care and supportive care going hand in hand. And they, the balance of that switches as the patient's trajectory improves. You also made the really important point about how that supportive care also helps 
the moral distress that clinicians often feel in caring for very sick people day in and day out and having to see the suffering that goes on and in turn the clinicians suffer in their heart and being able to relieve that. So really great example of that web of well-being for each other. You said you had another story that you were going to share also. Well, um, I sh- I'd be happy to share another story, uh, and this is someone else who's in the hospital uh, right now. And um, uh, unfortunately, her story is not as as uh, does not have or is not as likely to have a happy ending. Um, and this is uh, a patient uh, uh, who was relatively recently diagnosed with a very serious lung cancer um, that had spread. Uh, to her brain uh, and her spinal cord. And as a result of that, she has had a very bumpy course. Uh, and our, um, our lung cancer oncologist and, and his nurse practitioner um, have been um, using every tool in their toolbox to try to heal her and, um, and to get quality time for her and her family. And unfortunately, she's had another big setback, and it seems like her disease is progressing through their treatments. And um, I was in the hospital, and her outpatient uh, oncology nurse practitioner actually sent me a text message to um, ask for our assistance. Um, she, the patient herself, is now in our um, neuro ICU and we all went, her outpatient uh, provider and I walked up into the ICU and, and now are collaborating with her, the intensive care unit doctors uh, and her family to try to figure out what are the right next steps for her given that uh, this person's time may be limited and mm. trying to s- set some valued goals uh, for her and her family. Well, that's a powerful story of the web of well-being and really expanding that care team to include the outpatient doctor who clearly knows and has insights with the patient, you know, the oncologist, the surgical team, the ICU team, and palliative care team. Really great story. Ken, we talked a lot about how palliative care is increasingly moving upstream along with curative care, but we know there's cases whose disease progresses and they need to transition into hospice care. And University Hospitals formed a joint venture with Hospice of the Western Reserve, a great hospice provider, and we're increasingly collaborating on this. Tell us a little bit how hospice care fits into this web of well-being. Yeah, uh, Peter, thank you for allowing me to to talk a little bit about these transitions between palliative care and hospice. Uh, First of all, I just want to just uh, just as I define palliative care, maybe I should define hospice care. And, and hospice care is a, a special set of services uh, that are provided uh, to people whose illnesses are uh, approaching the end of life. Uh, that means typically in the final six months of life. Uh, and and uh, for people whose goals are primarily quality of life and comfort rather than focusing on survival duration as a primary goal. Uh, and hospice delivers their services in any number of locations. It can, e- uh, it can be in people's own homes uh, with regular nurse visits with, and 24-7 availability, um, or it can be in um, dedicated inpatient hospice facilities. Uh, it can even be in nursing facilities. Uh, hospices can come in to provide additional support, comfort-oriented support. Um, uh, within within UH now um, are 
hospice collaboration with Hospice of Western Reserve has been uh, just a wonderful way uh, to align what we do in palliative care while our patients and their families are, want both survival duration uh, and quality of life um, into a more intensive uh, quality of life and comfort-oriented approach when uh, fighting to gain additional survival time either is no longer possible to get uh, much additional time or the trade-offs between people's quality of life and comfort to get that little bit of extra time are just far too costly uh, personally for people and their families. So, so we are now um, forming a very tight collaboration with Hospice of Western Reserve to make sure on a moment's notice um, people and their families can transition into uh, hospice care at home or even in the hospital or in a nursing facility or a dedicated inpatient hospice setting. Um, and finally, I'll mention that we're uh, looking into some very innovative and novel ways of combining hospice services and very much survival-oriented services simultaneously. And, and that... Um, uh, that it will be hot off the presses soon. So, Well, Ken, great. So you can see that hospice and palliative care are key in this web of well-being. And what we're doing in all of our areas at UH is making sure those connections are hardwired so the patients we serve don't fall through the gap. So, Ken, any closing comments or things that we ought to be thinking of to further support palliative care in our patients? Well, Peter, I just wanted to thank you for, for framing this in terms of well-being. And I think that that is one of the core principles of palliative care is, is trying to define for an individual and, a, and their family what well-being truly means, even in the face of serious or, or life-limiting illness. And that has been our, the beacon uh, that we pursue every day of our work. And, um, as, and the beautiful thing about this is we have lots of partners uh, within our medical center across disciplines uh, and uh, together with our hospice partners. So I want to thank you all for listening. Ken, thank you. And thank you and your team for all the great work. Uh, have a great day.